0: Hey, hot girls. Do you need some new book inspiration to wear, showcase in your home, or take around the town? Of course you do. Check out Black and Bookish, a literary merch shop for literary Black folks. There you will find unique designs on tops, prints, pillows, mugs, face masks, and more. To shop, please visit blackandbookish.threatless.com. That's B-L-K-N-B-K-I-S-H dot t h r e a d l e s s.com Welcome to the Hot Girl Book Club. Welcome back to the Hot Girl Book Club. I am one of your hosts, Tamika Cage, and
1: I am Ingrid Marseille.
0: So welcome back to another episode. How has quarantine been since we last Ooh. recorded?
1: Um, well, I feel like quarantine and corona has uh jumped down to the bottom of what is next. Who's next? What's that thing on Twitter? Who's next? <laughs> go, Who's next? Go. <laughs> as far as uh twenty twenty is concerned. Um so I I don't know, I've been stressed, girl. It's been a lot going on. I don't know, how about you?
0: I was good until all the unrest started to happen. Um, mm-hmm. And I try to limit my time on social media because it is depressing. Like, I know Ooh, yes. we'll get through it. We've always got through it. But just like somewhere else, really? So pushing I through. Feel
1: you. Pushing I feel through. you. I had to do the same. I had to take because um, what I've been seeing is, uh, one- We love entertainment and I feel like people have been thriving off of the trauma and stuff that's been going on. So the amount of shares that has been happening has been ridiculous. I feel like it's kind of almost like, you know, suffocating. So definitely had to dial it back a lot over the last few um, weeks because it was just so much. And I feel like there needs to be disclaimers, you know, sharing sensitive stuff like that. People need to be mindful. You know, everybody doesn't deal with trauma the same. And I feel like it's been the fuel for a lot of emotions. And then one thing about Twitter, Twitter has been all over the place. We've been to, you know, the injustice part. Then we've been talking about sexual assault. Then we've been on to scamming. Then we've been on to like, it's just way too many, too many topics at one time. I feel like the mind and the body can only handle so much. You know, and then I feel like people are still in the house going crazy from that. So it's it's been a lot.
0: Yeah. Oh, now that you said that about just so much going on and mm-hmm. a lot of different topics, a lot of different people, that reminds me of the book we just read, and it was Ooh, kind yeah. of a, a tough <laughs> read during this mm-hmm. time because it's not upbeat at all. It's it's deep, um, right. So we read Sula by Toni Morrison. The description is two girls who grow up to become women, two friends who become something worse than enemies. In this brilliantly, ooh, can't even say that. In this brilliantly imagined novel, Toni <laughs> Morrison, dream, right? it might be, Toni Morrison tells the story of Nell Wright and Sula Peace who meet his children in the small town of Medallion, Ohio. Their devotion is fierce enough to withstand bullies and the burden of a dreadful secret. It endures even after Nell has grown up to be a pillar of the Black community and Sula has become a pariah, but their friendship ends in an unforgivable betrayal, or does it end? Terrifying, comic, ribald, or ribald, rib-ble, that's how you say that, and tragic. Sula is a work that overflows with life. Look, I gotta so, look that word up. <laughs> I did, I had to look it up. Thank God for Google. It's ribble, and it <laughs> means like talking about sex, but in a funny way. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, okay. okay. little SAT a word. word. Of today? <laughs> <laughs> See, educational as well. Right. So let, let's get into it. Um, I have this mapped out, but I know, you know, we can start, start anywhere, but it opens up okay. talking about Suicide Day with, yes. with Shadrach, which I was mm-hmm. like, if you read, I don't know which version you read, but The version I read is like the newest print and apparently it's been changed. Um, It used to open up with something else. That's what the, what's it called? A prologue or something like that. The intro said, but I was like, okay, you're going to change it. And then it's still suicide day. I'm like, that's, that's deep as well. So um, I don't know. How'd you feel about um, the part of the story where they talked about Shadrach, the suicide day, and then they talked about his experience in the military, and then also Plum, because he also had the experience in the military. Mm.
1: So the way that I thought about it was what we already know currently that goes on is Black people serve in the military, and they give, you know, their time to get it all. And what happens when they get out is they pretty much are forgotten. And that's a lot with the veterans, the homeless people that we see, you know, on the streets. So seeing Plum, one, because he was a little easier to talk about because we didn't really get his background, his military background. But um, that's pretty much what happened to him. Like I just felt like he came home and he was not the man who he was when he left. And then as far as Shadrach goes, I mean, they just pretty much just put him out on the street. Like he literally was not right in the mind dealing with, you know, basically like a mental psychosis is what it seemed like to me. Um, and they pretty much just threw him out there, and he just happened to land, you know, in the town where he was. He could have, you know, ended up so many other places. So um, that was just kind of, like, disheartening um, because we know that that still happens to this day. And in regards to suicide, (laughs) Mm -hmm. the way I interpreted that was – because nobody – Nobody really killed themselves until, what, the end, mm-hmm. from my understanding. At one point, I felt like they were trying to say that the the Deweys went with him, but then they end up coming back, you know, in another part of the book. So that was a little bit confusing to me, um, the way she wrote that part. I don't know if you... I know what well? parts you're
0: talking about. And she was basically, I think, talking about the future. Once okay. I got to the end, I was like, oh, that's what she meant. Because I, I was mm-hmm. lost through the book. I was like, I thought they was dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, exactly.
0: Yeah. So I, I feel the same way as you. Um, you know, this country likes to pretend like it's all about the veterans. And they do get the short end of the stick once they re-enter society. Mm-hmm. And that's unfortunate.
1: And he never re-entered. That's the thing. Like, he struggled and he was an outcast the entire time until Sula. Sula made him feel like human again. In right. A sense. So, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that, that's tough. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I don't know. I interpreted Suicide Day as a day to be crazy. Because other than that, he was... In the town, working, still being crazy, but not as crazy as he was on suicide day. So to me, that was just a day for him to just be free, be wild, just be crazy. And nobody was like, you know, judging him. They were like, oh, you know, that's just him. That's just how he does. So
0: right. that's how right. I interpreted
1: that up until
0: people actually died, which, <laughs> yeah. I love the fact that they did leave him alone. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like a lot of crazy people, when people are quote unquote crazy in the community, people like to stop them. But they left Mm -hmm. him alone. They let him do his thing. They let him do his thing.
1: Yes. But I feel like in black families, they be like, oh, you know, that's just how Edward act. You know, don't mind him. You know, he got something (laughs) going on. You know, they kind of just let him do whatever in the background. So just
0: give him some graham crackers. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's how I felt about him. That's how I felt that the town treated him, like how we tend to treat, you know, the problems within our families and stuff, mental health problems.
0: I want to revisit that when we Mm -hmm. when we talk about Sula's return because she didn't get that same warm welcome. Ooh, yeah,
1: they did my girl so bad. Ooh, they said she was yeah.
0: We'll talk about it. (laughs) So the next part of the book. Um, it talks about, I guess it starts with Helene or Hel- mm-hmm. Helene, Helen or Helene. And that was Nail's mom. And she migrated to, this was Ohio, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, girl. Yes, this is Ohio because she talked about Cleveland and Cincinnati. You know, Tony's from Ohio. Um, okay. And how she migrated from New Orleans. And then she talked about her going home, and you found out her mom was a lady of the night
1: and her (laughs) grandmother pretty
0: much raised her. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to talk about that a little bit. So do you have any, any, I guess anything to share as far as your family's journey up from, you know, another place and how, and, and why you guys moved? So for instance, me, my grandmother is from Mobile, Alabama. And my, Paternal grandmother is from Louisiana. Um, I don't know where these men is from. <laughs> I, th- I think one of my granddaddies is from Mississippi, but a lot mm-hmm. of them moved up north for Same. better jobs, better opportunities to get out the Jim Co- Jim Crow South. Same. So, and um. I think my grand- I think my grandmother had like one or two children and then she was just like up and the rest of them were like born in Michigan. and that is why if you hear me talk and you think I'm from the South, that's why. like I said oil earlier today and I didn't say it like that. it was like oh, and my daughter was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, my bad my accent coming out. but um where did your because I know you're you grew up in New York,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: where did your family like migrate from? Uh,
1: So my grandfather's family is from Tennessee, uh, close to Clarksville. Um, And then for my grandma, they are from Sylvania. So it's like 30 minutes from Statesboro. There's one traffic light, which I think is a flashing light. It's not even an actual traffic light. We went... "Mm." probably over 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And literally, it was nothing there. They had one grocery store. Um, And then they kind of transitioned to Savannah, which, you know, is still in the South, not as uh, desolate as the other area, but still, you know, very Southern. And then my grandmother was the only one of her siblings, there's 12 of them, to go all the way up to New York. And my grandfather ended up traveling to New York too. And then they met, so... Um, about the same in regards to, uh, that as far as placement, the South, and then they migrated up to the North and it was pretty much for better jobs, better opportunities. And to me, it yielded them a better life, which is what I think a lot of the characters in the book were looking for because Mm -hmm. our girl did the same thing. She jumped around a few cities, um, before returning back. You know, and basically lived her life. And it's so funny because I just watched uh Brewster's Place, the women of Brewster's Place.
0: Uh- <laughs> the movie is traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> I just watched it
1: the other day. But um I can't remember Jack A's character, but you know, she left and she went off, you know, uh whatever city, I can't remember the city, and then end up coming back in the same as the woman who lost her child and the husband. Um, she left and went to New York and then came back. So I think that that is a common thing, like, especially... But I see now, like, what I've seen recently is a lot of people from New York and from those northern states are coming to Georgia and these southern states looking for a better life, cheaper living. Like, basically, they've been sold on this dream, especially the Atlanta area, that Atlanta is like the black people Mecca. So, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of see that in the book as well, and that's the same thing that I experienced you know within my family.
0: Right. So I I'm, I'm grateful for for my grandmother leaving and hopefully I was a part of that that legacy that also left. Like if even if you're going to live at home, like that's going to be your base, I encourage everyone to at least travel and live somewhere else just to experience something different and be out on your own. Mhm. All right. Um so Nell's mom is in this place. And what happened to the husband? I forgot what happened to Nails' dad. He left.
1: So he... Yeah, he just disappeared, right? He left. And then remember, he comes back. So he leaves. Like a nigga. No. Or was that Sula's mama? With the... No, I think that was Nails' dad. Nell's dad left when they went to go check on her mother. When her mother passed. Remember... They left, right. and they took the train ride, and she left him a ham. And,
0: and he had so- <laughs> never touched it. The and ham the was still bottom. there.
1: Right. And he never came back home. Mm.
0: <laughs> it was a lot of that going on. These marriages were not doing what they were supposed to do. So let's talk mm-hmm. about how Nell and Sula ended up meeting, because my interpretation of it was, Oh, I want to go over Sula's house because she gets to do whatever she want to do. Ain't nobody. Yeah. So um, did you have a friend like that when you were younger where, you know, um, you would go over their house because they ain't had that many rules or like a cousin or something where you could just have more fun? Because I know my mama wasn't putting up with certain stuff.
1: Yes. Um, and it's funny that she said that because Sula was the same way. She wanted to go to Nell's house because Nell's house was nice. She didn't have a whole lot of people running in and out, you know, whatever. And they mm-hmm. were the bo- considered a bougie, you know, black folks within the town. But, yeah, I had a best friend um, in, I want to say, late middle school and high school that we, it would be me and, like, some of the friends. We knew that we can go over to her house. We could stay up as late as we wanted to. We can watch what we wanted to. <laughs> Basically, we could do whatever we wanted to, to do within the house. Like, her mom was cool. Her mom was working. Um, you know, my mom was like, you know, as long as you're there, I know where you are. Everything is fine. So definitely we used to do like all kind of crazy stuff. Like we used to stay up and rent like bootleg hood movies. <laughs> <laughs> we used to do all kind of crazy stuff. But the flip side of that is whenever she went out with me, like if we were to go out somewhere, like I think maybe like a house party or something like that, her mom would call my mom. My mom would be like, look, she keep calling me. <laughs> So I don't know where y'all at, what y'all doing, but y'all need to get back to where you're supposed to be. So um, definitely, but my mom, she didn't really, Uh, we definitely had bedtime though, very strict on the bedtime. So that's what I did appreciate about going to my friend's house, my best friend's house at that time, because we pretty much had free reign. Cousins, family, not so much that I can remember, but I definitely remember me and a few friends being able to sleep over. It was never, it was never, um too many people over there like we literally Mm -hmm. could just have as many people as we want at her house you know whatever um as long as we were within the house we could do whatever we wanted to do which was you know to us back then freedom so yeah did you have that (laughs) growing up I I feel like we all did
0: right you have it everybody has some of that in some sort of way I um what I hated about my child, not hated, what I didn't like about it was that it was just me and my sister. And my sister mm-hmm. was in and out of home. She used to get in a lot of trouble. Um, so I, part of my childhood, I was kind of like an only child. And it's lonely. And I say that. I never gave my child a sibling. But it's, it's very <laughs> lonely. So- Who's next? No. <laughs> So I would go to my friend's house. She had two siblings or um, just like a house full of people or my cousins. My aunt had five kids. So I just enjoyed being over there, especially Mm. the ones that we were all close in age because she had them like back to back. (laughs) Um, But I just enjoyed being over there because it was I don't know, maybe I was an extrovert back then, but I just enjoyed being around a bunch of people like. Mm. My mom will let us stay up late. Now I did enjoy going over people's house that didn't have to go to church, but my mom oh, yes. is good. At, oh, yes, <laughs> my mom is good at coming over Sunday morning and like six o'clock coming to get you, bring you home, you get ready, you still gotta go to church. Um, uh, but yeah, I I totally understood that when Nell was like, "Oh, I'm going over here,"
1: <laughs> right? <laughs> well, all these
0: people and. Yeah, where Sue lived, it was it was basically like a hotel, right?
1: Pretty much. That's how her grandmother ran it, like, in and out. And then her mama definitely used it like a hotel. So, <laughs> yes, you could say it was the Holiday Inn. <laughs> yeah. Definitely, yes. Ooh, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to live like that. Not at all. I don't have were... people in the space.
0: No, I don't do company. I'm just like my mama. I do not do company. We can meet outside mm-hmm. somewhere, but they were pretty much the each other's ride or die friend. Like, yeah, we see that from when Sula cut off her finger; mm-hmm. she be- she better than me, and then when Chicken Little drowned. Man,
1: that was a interesting part of the book because that introduced us to their dark side. Because up until that point, Tony kind of played on how they balanced each other out. Um, And we saw them coming from two different backgrounds where, yeah, they likely, it was not likely that they would be like best friends. But in that moment, that showed you how deep their bond was. Because... That was interesting. At first I had to, I went back and read it more than one time because I was like, okay, I don't think I read what I read because I was like, okay, maybe they're imagining, maybe she's playing up, you know, um, the description kind of giving us like some type of fantasy dream, uh, Issa daydream or something. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was like, oh no, this really happened because I think I I started with the audio book and then I was like, it's too much for me to keep up, with. I can't, like the way the story was kind of flowing. I was like, I need to read this. I need to see it on paper. So by mm-hmm. the time I met it again, I was like, oh, this really happened. And then the way they acted in that moment, was really, like, I was a little shocked. Even at the funeral, I was like, wow, like these girls are cold. Like, yeah.
0: <laughs> Cause I was like, okay, he's in the water. Y'all ain't gonna, sc- y'all ain't gonna try you just, nothing. you just drowning, y'all just y'all just sitting there.
1: Nothing, nothing at all.
0: I mean, you want to go hurry up and find out whether or not somebody saw it. Like... I mean, that's the only thing that they cared about,
1: or the only thing that Sula cared about, actually.
0: <sighs> Nails yeah. an accessory. Exactly, and
1: <laughs> she brings that up at the end of the mm-hmm. her or Sula at the end of the book when they have that discussion. Before, I think it might have been Nell talking to herself after Sula kind of, you know, um, got into her about them not being that much different. Mm-hmm. I think she had that moment like, you know what? I was there for that. I was a part of that. Part of that was my responsibility as well. So that was interesting for... And then they, they went on like, it never happened too, which is scary. Yeah.
0: I my it didn't even tell nobody. Emil. If that white
1: man wouldn't have found him, nobody would have known what happened to Chicken Little. Now that I think about it, because <laughs> they never said anything. Yeah, that that
0: That'd was a scary. tough part. I'm like, they didn't, they didn't go get him. But mm-hmm. um, on that same on that same topic, do you have a friend like I'm sure you didn't throw nobody in the water, but yeah. do you have a friend who was like your ride or die that? You know, no matter what, if you got to go to jail, she gonna be right there with you. He gonna be right there with you,
1: yes, but I think I am that friend. <laughs> so I am that one that people call me or used to whenever ready to do something. So, cause I'm that person like, oh, what happened? Like <laughs> legit used to be, especially in college. Like I remember like nights, like my friends would call me and be like, oh, I would have to work and they'd be like, oh, we at the club and something is going on. How soon can you get here? Oh, I can clock out right now. And, <laughs> <laughs> and what's going on? What I need to do? What I need to have on? Like who I need to find? Like legit that has happened. Um, so I feel like I have always been that person. And of course I have my people that when I wanted to do stuff too. So yeah, definitely. But I think, I think that like ride or die, that can be friendships and that can be relationships. And I think in terms of relationships, that part has faded. We ain't doing that no more.
0: I don't think I've ever been ride or die because I'll snitch in the minute. I snitch on my mama. I
1: oh. ain't
0: going to jail for nobody. I might snitch on my I'm baby.
1: I've done a lot. I've done a lot. Almost but lost.
0: But I've always had a kid, so I don't. I mm-hmm. think that she's always been the back of my mind, so I was never able to make those choices because I always okay. thought of her. So that has been my saving grace. Jesus knew what He was doing because He yeah. knew what I was right. Um, but I, I do stick up for my friends like a mm-hmm. whole whole lot. Um, especially if I if I believe it it it's right. Now, right. I don't know if we're gonna do some ride or die stuff. Because I'm trying to think of like when we were like younger. You
1: got to do it when you're young though. Now, no. Right. You
0: got too much to lose now. I I don't don't know if I had like like high school
1: and college. Yes. Of course. Who wasn't down for something like that? Cause you didn't care. Somebody did something to you. Hey, we got something to prove. But other than that, now, absolutely not. Jail is real right charges a, is real charge yes and it's it's oh. a no for me it's a no yeah it's because yeah, i can't pay nothing for nobody to get nothing fixed <laughs> that i done not mess up so i have to just nope <laughs> Deal with in a
0: different way. i remember my friends called me my friend had got a noise violation at a party we had had it was a very small party we had had at her apartment and somebody called the police mm-hmm. it was a white town called the police the police come And she gets a noise violation. Never does anything about it. And while she's driving on the highway, months later, like a year later, she gets stopped. She got a warrant out for her arrest. Mm. This is my friend who is like, you know, her parents bought her like damn near a brand new car during college. She don't like they paid for college out of pocket. Like she ain't get a refund check. They call me, and, and they're like, well, we're trying to raise money. If you don't call her mama and daddy, <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't call you the call... broke college students, no. Call, like... You
1: can't call them yet.
0: <laughs> no, because then I told them, I was like, as a mama, you know, I'm a, I'm the only mama of the group where I was at that point. And I'm like, as a mama, I would want to know my baby was in jail. Call that girl's mm-hmm. parents. They will be all right. It was a noise violation. Homegirl wasn't selling crack. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't get picked up for prostitution, but I'm like, y'all gonna ask us for money? No, we ain't got it. That's why we in college.
1: Mm, see,
0: um, you know, I don't
1: know, cause that happened to me in a situation. My friend was all the way wrong, and she got locked up, and I didn't call her mama name. I end up, I. <laughs> I ended up arguing and fighting with the person that she did the stuff to. Their sibling was upset. So um, they were calling and trying to do stuff. And I told her if she drove to Badasta where we were at. I was going to come see her. So, I mean, my friend was wrong, but guess what? I defended her down to the last minute. And I did not call her mama and her daddy. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, that's, I think that's a little bit different, but a noise violation, girl, that's like running a stoplight. If you don't call the parents, it's still a crime. It's still a crime. I was like, no, like I ain't got no damn money. Um, but yeah, <laughs> all right, let's let's move on. Now that we're mm-hmm. talking about parents and, and kids, let's talk about Eva and Plum. This was another part of the book where I was okay. like, damn, Tony, like what is going on? So dark. I was,
1: and you know, ooh, yeah. It was dark. That part was dark.
0: And I I don't understand her reasoning for killing him. Um, I think it was completely selfish. I don't think that you get to decide that somebody isn't worth living anymore. Right. Um and I felt like she tried to to justify it throughout the mm-hmm.
1: book. Yes.
0: And I don't know. I felt like it's like, oh, I'm ashamed of you or you ain't going to do nothing with your life. Let me just take you out.
1: I felt like when she gave the description of him trying to crawl back up in her, she was saying he was less of a man. And for the fact that he was not this childlike size like the Deweys, like how they stayed small. Um, you know, so people allowed them to continue to act like a child. She was just saying, hey, he was way too big. He was too much of a man for me to allow him to be a baby. Because she also went back to talking about like how she had did so much for him by saving his life when he was um, backed up, you know, whatever. Oh,
0: yeah. So
1: basically to me, it was like, okay, I saved your life once as a child. I can't have you returning back to a child again. I need you to be a man. And because the fact that the drugs and stuff like that had such a hold on him, his addiction was so bad. It was like, he's basically crippled. He was not of that. So that's how, that's how I interpreted it. And that's the way she made it. Cause that, when she was like, he tried to crawl back in my womb. I was like, woo! this, that, that made me think about beloved. (laughs) There. Um, but yeah, so that that's the way that I looked at it. But when I first read that, because we get that description later in the book when Sula actually comes back and asks her about it. So at the beginning, I'm just like, Wow, she's just a horrible person. And still a horrible person. You like you said, you can't make that decision to just kill somebody because you can't afford to, um, you know, deal with the emotional toll or the mental toll that they're gonna have on you, you know.
0: For me, it's the way you killed him
1: that too because was like girl
0: crush up some aspirin put that shit in my (laughs) kool-aid put some antifreeze in i don't know but don't burn me right i'm not the antichrist like no yeah for me that is like the ultimate evil because not only did you kill him you made him suffer I cannot imagine being burned alive, but I tell you what, I am haunting the shit out of you. If you burn me, you ain't going to never know peace. You going to cook and be traumatized when you see the fire. Like, Mm. absolutely not. Well,
1: maybe she felt like he didn't feel it because he was so drugged up. But he was screaming though, right? I think they said he was screaming, so... I don't know. I, I feel I, like I had to
0: put the book down after reading that. I'm like totally to lost her damn
1: eye. Yeah, it was some heavy, <laughs> some heavy uh stuff in there. And that that I mean, death was I think the heaviest part of it. And she liked fire. Something about fire, I don't know what it represented, but you know, we lost two people to fires in the book.
0: Well let's let's get into um that next person. So Hannah mm-hmm. and Sula. So before Hannah Catches on Fire, um, <laughs> she makes a comment and Sula overhears her. She's talking to her friends. And I wrote she that says, down too. Yeah, hey. she says, I don't like my children, but I love them. hmm Um, no, I don't Sula was her only child, right? There wasn't others, was it?
1: Um, I want to say Sula was her only child, yes.
0: Right, because the Dewey's were yeah. Do- her mama adopted related. the do- it. yeah.
1: Now her so mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, as a parent, there are points in time where you like your child just get on your last nerves. Mm-hmm. But I don't think overall that you should not like your children. But I get it. Like, I'm human. The kids are human. We're all yeah. human. Um, I just don't think that you can be a good parent if you do not like the child. I just I just don't. That's just like, you know, um, this was a discussion on Twitter and they were talking about how step parents are like, oh, I don't like the child, but I'm going to be there because I'm in love with their parent. Mm-hmm. You can't you to me, you cannot be a good parent if you do not like the person. Um, if there is something that really just grinds your gears about them, maybe there's mm-hmm. something that you need to work through. Maybe there's something in them that triggers you because when my child has got on my last nerves, it's honestly a trigger. <laughs> It's not necessarily her personality, it's something that she is doing that triggers mm-hmm. something in me. Because my me and my daughter, we're both water signs. I just told her this at her little virtual graduation party. I'm like, I know you were made for me. You were sent to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I can see where when I think about my relationship with my mom and then my sister's relationship with my mom, it it is not necessarily a match. You know, me and my mm-hmm. sister are both water signs and um, but my mom is what's Virgo? What's that Earth sign? But oh, girl, I don't know my. <laughs> but it's it's not necessarily a, a match for mm-hmm. whatever reason. Maybe it's zodiac, maybe it's the stars, maybe it's you know bringing and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> but there's not necessarily a, a match. And I seen it when when we were younger, especially with my with my daughter. I mean, not my daughter, my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just I don't think. I personally don't think you can be an effective parent. So when Hannah catches on fire and Sula just watches, I get it. <laughs> See, and that is the thing.
1: And you know, I, I mean, she really didn't take care of her. Nobody really took care of Sula. So I understand that point. And that, I mean, that's question to hear. Somebody said they love you, but they don't like you, um, especially your parents. So that's interesting. But what we know within our community, I feel like there's such a strain on relationships between mothers and daughters. Mm-hmm. And a lot of black men say the same thing about their relationships with their fathers. So I feel like, and I feel like we touched on this before in regards to like mothers feeling like they can't be your friend. You know what I'm saying? So maybe that's where that came from, where she was saying, hey, I, I don't like her because I can't relate to her. I can't, you know, share these moments like I could share with y'all, you know, with her friends, those same moments. Um, even though she did not shy away from allowing her to see them because Sula was able to see everything her mama was doing. Um, you know, but basically, you know, you have to love them because they're of you. But so they reflect to you. So you have to if you love yourself. It's kind of where I um Took that as, but watching her mom, <laughs> I don't. You know, I maybe of something else, and maybe there was something else I can't think about right now that led up to that moment that was like, okay, that justifies it. But still, like that kind of just added to the whole thing of her being evil. Because like you mm-hmm. literally just, and the way Eva described it, she's like, I saw you. I watched you watch her, and you didn't even. Lynch. you didn't even your face didn't even change your expression didn't change you were just ice cold staring you know but then who was even a judge because she literally killed her own child right um, the
0: nerve
1: you know and maybe because she was softer on Hannah maybe that's why she felt that way um you know and almost killed herself to save her but I feel like you know Hannah didn't do enough for Sula to I'm like there was there that. was
0: that there was no for me, there was no connection. so I'm gonna be mm-hmm. honest. Sula gave me Scorpio energy. I know my people <laughs> 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 Um, and we can hold a grudge like no other. We don't get over shit. and I don't know we it's it's hard to apologize. I'm getting better though y'all um, <laughs> And like Sula didn't start it. So it's like I ain't got shit to do with me. Like it's I could like trip or something in the house, and my daughter would be like, "God's plan." <laughs> <laughs> that's how I felt. I'm like Sula was like, "This ain't got shit to do with me." But um, I think a lot of times, and this is this ties back into a lot of us having strained relationships. I think that's because we just think, "Oh, that's my parent, that's my child." We're automatically going to bond. And It's like you have to nurture that relationship just like you do any, any others. Um, And if Hannah didn't nurture that, she was like, girl, you and that fire ain't got nothing to do with me. (laughs) Pretty much. um, Uh,
1: Yeah. I don't even, how did the fire start? Like that was a weird event.
0: Yeah. I didn't get that either. I didn't, I didn't understand that.
1: At the, like out of all of the things that could have happened to her with everything that she was doing, That was just weird. Like, I feel like fire symbolized something and maybe I missed it, but for brother and sister to die by fire was something like that was interesting to me. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that was a lot. I don't think I could have watched that. I feel like even if y'all didn't have the best relationship, who can really sit there and watch? Somebody died
0: like that. A person. Yeah, something is something is definitely wrong. Mm-hmm. All right, so part two of the book starts 10 years later after Sula has went and did her thing and hopped around the country or whatever she did. I think she went to school. Real hot girl shit. Right. Like she was living her life. And That's what she said. Right. Nell was at home. She got married. She started having them babies. I'm going to be quite honest with y'all. That has never sounded exciting to me, but do Uh (laughs) y'all. But let's talk about how the community I guess, what's the word? Welcomed her. Welcomed her?
1: (laughs) Or did not? Uh, They treated my girl like Salem Witch Trials. I mean, any any little thing that she did was ridiculed. But honestly, I it's so hard because I feel like because, well, I guess I know, you know, knew her since she was a child as well. But I wanted to preserve her innocence throughout the book. So when they started like to vilify her, even though all these evil events had happened, it was still hard for me to like, agree with what they were doing. Basically, like, they isolated her, um, you know, and just did not make her feel welcomed. But I feel like her family, regardless of whether, you know, it was all her, like, her family was pretty crazy, too. So, like, her mom had did all these things in the town, a grandma was a nutcase and did all these things that people knew about. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like her family was just that family within the neighborhood where you was like, ah, you know, we say hey, but we don't really, you know, engage in conversation with them. So that's how I kind of felt um, when she came back. That's the way that everybody treated her. I mean, they were just looking for reasons to not like her at some points of that. I was just like, okay, this is a lot. <laughs>
0: that's what i thought because the events like before the stuff started going down they i didn't feel like they really had a license to behave that way um because mm-hmm. like if i show up on the day all the what was it crows dying or birds oh I'm,
1: yes <laughs> it's like
0: y'all gonna really hold that against me i get it you know black folks love superstition yes yeah
1: even though they don't they do
0: <laughs> right um yeah, so I was just like, it wasn't it wasn't warranted. Now when she started doing stuff, like the first thing she did was put her grandmother in that home. And that scene
1: <laughs> was so funny to me. But see, I when think they that got was to argue. Go ahead. Yeah. That was between them. I don't think that was evil. I think that was her just knowing that
0: who are you well, to I judge feel like me? I feel like black folks now don't like you to send your your parents to the home. Mm-hmm. Even though it happens, but they want you to exhaust everything before you send Jordan oh, yeah. Pierce at home. So that's I that's feel what like other people think. Right. That and she was still in her right mind and all that. So
1: <laughs> And what was right town, of it?
0: <laughs> right. I guess Little Town didn't do it. And she did it was spiteful. It was spiteful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Cause
1: yeah, it was it, I feel like if they didn't have that conversation when she initially came back. She probably wouldn't have said her, but because they did have that conversation, and it was oh they both sides were so strong on their their feelings. she was like, "You know what? <laughs> I got one better like I felt like because of the things that she said to her or whatever in the conversation, her feelings were hurt, and like Nail said, you know once Sula got in these um situations or events where emotions overtook her, she didn't act rationally. And she made an irrational decision to send her away. And then once it happened, it was kind of like, oh, well, I'm not gonna take it back, you know?
0: Scorpio energy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that might be Leo too, because she you
0: know, Right Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because it's like well, I already made that decision. Hey. So I, I don't know what to tell you. Can't come, can't come back from it.
1: Shouldn't have been is, talking uh, shit.
0: <laughs> that was my whole thing. Like when she sent her away, I was like, Oh, you shouldn't have been talking shit. Right. I, Cause I feel like she started it. I
1: do. I feel like she was looking to I think she got upset because to me, the way everybody in the town like treated her, honestly, I felt like they were one, jealous because she got away. She mm-hmm. went on to live her life outside of, you know, medallion. Everybody pretty much was stuck to what they call it, the bottom or whatever, Mm -hmm. like, none of the Black people got out. And it was like, they were so stuck in this town. And honestly, I feel like the grandmother, once she lost her legs and stuff like that, it felt like the livelihood, like, she lost that part of herself, like, that youthful being, you know, um, this young, vibrant woman that kind of went out the door, and she transitioned to, like, this crazy, you know, person or whatever, so, looking at Sula, where she's just living her life doing whatever she wanted to do, I felt like she was kind of jealous of that. Where it was like, how dare you?
0: Yeah, and, and this is the part, right? <laughs> this is the part where I started like really writing for Sula. Cause in the beginning, I'm like, this bitch crazy. <laughs> um, but part two, <laughs> I really started writing for her because I can understand what it's like to go off. And live your life. And mind mm-hmm. you, you ain't, you ain't hurt. Well, Tula might have hurt somebody. But in you going off and living your life, you're just, you know, doing what makes your heart content, making decisions for you. You don't owe nobody shit when you ain't got no children. Right. Or if you do got children, all you got to do is ride, ride hard for, for them. And I used to struggle a lot when family back home or when I would go back home and hear things from family saying things about me that were Of course, untrue. And one of my friends told me, he's like, that's just a part of kind of moving up in the world, Mm -hmm. that there are going to be people that say those things about you. And I'm like, I need more of an explanation. But what I realized, what I realized is that I had done things that they wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I basically opened up or triggered something in them. That's like, well, why you ain't do it? Because I, like, uh, I I had a baby at 15, the words so at my I left and did what I was supposed to do. And, you know, it's like, well, sister, why you ain't do that? Cousin, mm-hmm. why you ain't do that? Because then it excuses it
1: just, are excuses, you know? Right. All and it, it really puts
0: the, puts the light on it. And them saying things about me just, just makes them feel better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't bother me as much anymore um, because I've, I've learned over the years that what people say about you has more to do with them than you and not Ooh, to yes. take it personal. Yes. But I I truly felt what she was going through here because it's like, girl, I don't owe y'all nothing. <laughs> mm-hmm. You gotta. Ain't your granny talking shit as soon as you got home. My grandma will <laughs> put you in a home, Ooh, <laughs> and <ended>. she did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and felt nothing about it. She felt bad for a little bit, you know. And but then it was pretty much. I, I don't know if Nell said this to her. Or she was just thinking about it. But she was just like, "Look, it's already done. So what else can you do? Are you gonna take it back now? You know, it, the deed has been done. The damage has been done. So and then she was scared. I don't know if she was really scared to live with her in the home when she was talking about she was locking herself in the room or if that was just the excuse that she gave to justify like the that fact that. I Okay. <laughs> girl, you excuses. Okay.
0: Girl, you didn't grew up with her. But then again, I can I can understand when folks go crazy. She so. burned
1: up her son. I would be
0: scared of her. I would feel like you going oh, to do something right. to me. And as a kid, you don't have a choice whether you got to stay there or not. Exactly.
1: And she knew that she killed him.
0: Hold on, didn't somebody sleep with a knife under their pillow? I, I, feel, like she did. I, no, no, I feel like she did. No,
1: no, I feel like that's what she talked about. So when Nell was like, you know, why would you do that? She was like, hey, I was scared. I was terrified. So maybe she... I can't remember if she went into detail about that. But I do remember her saying something about locking her door. At okay. Because she was scared. So... And then Nell was like, I don't know if I really believe that Sulu so was scared. But I went with it. So...
0: So let's get into that conversation. That well, mm-hmm. no. Let's let's first get into their reconnection once Sula returns. Yes, and Sula stops by the house and and <laughs> all her glories. catching up, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And uh, what the husband walks in and says hi. I think at some point he was like, "She wasn't that cute."
1: <laughs> well, no. Let's dial back. So, if you remember. When they talk about the closeness of Nell and Sula, Tony also describes their relationship when it comes to suitors. So if one man was interested in Nell, they were interested in Sula. They always shared
0: this interest, this,
1: um, you know, thing with them. And that was the ongoing joke. So, or something that they kind of like to discuss amongst themselves. So, even at the before they got married uh Nell's husband to me, it sounded like he was looking at both of them, and both of them were looking at him, but Nell was the woman that he went with because she allowed him to be a man,
0: but I feel like Sula was pushing for it too, like she was the maid of honor right or yes I, I believe. I just felt like reading that part of the book, it was like, oh, she's like rooting for her friend. So I felt like that whole sharing was kind of done with at that point. Maybe (laughs) I'm thinking, oh, they grown. They're not going to do that no more Mm -hmm. because me and my friends ain't never played that game. Mm -mm. If I slept with him in 2000, you still can't have him. (laughs) Please don't be me in my trash can. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Please, I don't care.
0: Well, I don't care if I told you he can burn in hell. You still cannot have him. Um, but yeah, I, I knew this part of the book was coming because um, they spoil it for you in the in documentary. documentary. Yeah. But I was just like, this is going to be wrong. This is going to be so wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so crazy. Like... I felt like their conversation in the kitchen, half of me, it's always 50-50. I got to look into that. Who's the other (laughs) guy? But (laughs) I feel like in one part, we were seeing where they were envious of each other's life, like the life choices, the life path that they chose. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, I almost felt like Sula was kind of like, hmm, this is nice. Maybe this is something I should have considered too. First split second when she was looking at Nell, but then I also feel like she was kind of looking down at her like, "Girl, you made the wrong choice. <laughs> like, you literally have become nothing but this man and your kids." So, that's
0: that's what I got that the mm-hmm. last part. Um, okay, where it's like, because Nell didn't seem happy, mm-hmm. and I, I see that a lot in women, especially women back in the day, where mm-hmm. you have kids, you may have had them a little bit too early, you're not able to live your life, and you got to become quickly this this wife and this mom and you have never experienced being a teenager being a young adult because you have so many responsibilities um so i got that but mm. i do feel like there was a small piece of oh this is nice what she got going on i want to taste right. it yeah which <laughs>
1: which led her to tasting it
0: <laughs> i wanted more details on how that went down
1: I too, because I wanted to know who pursued who. Because honestly, when he first came home, he just looked her over. To me, it didn't, the way the words read to me is he didn't really pay her any mind. And then when they were having a conversation in regards to uh, the white man kind of overshadowing the black man and making it hard for him. And when Sula was like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't agree with that. That's something I haven't seen. To me, it seemed like she kind of offended him.
0: Right, but I don't think he had ever been checked. And I've seen that in men where, like, when you have the balls or you just have the personality to check mm-hmm. them, they're offended but, like, turn on at the same time. Because everybody else around them is like a yes man or a yes woman.
1: <laughs> I know some so, people, that that's, that's what they like. That's what they, they look like.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I really want to know who pursued who. Um,
1: I feel like maybe it was mutual. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, maybe. Because I didn't like when Nell was like, but you took my husband. Girl, your husband got to be ready for the taking. I can't take nothing that is devoted <laughs> Look, to you. It
1: ain't take long. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> right, Was girl. it a day? Was it a weekend? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> because
1: it just seemed like... And then the thing was, they really didn't even like each other. They really didn't even love each other. They just happened to... What was it? He made She made him feel like a man, and that's all he wanted. He was... I, well, I can't remember the word in before, like, once he was like, hey, let's just get married. Basically, it was like, uh, let's get married by Jagged Edge. We ain't getting no younger. Let's just do this. <laughs> so, we're not even really supposed to be together for you to be so hurt by um what happened. Yeah, you know, granted, it is your, or was your best friend, because you don't know who she is. It's been 10 years, you know? Um, yeah, you can't
0: pop back in my life after 10 years, and I'm like, hey, girl, this is my best friend. I'm going to say that.
1: Welcoming. Well, watch you. Right. Welcoming <laughs> you into my home like cousin Faith. No ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> no, ma'am.
0: <laughs> she was she was basically cousin Hello. Faith. Hello.
1: But you know, Vivica said, but you know she can't stay with me, Kenny, and the kids. And that's exactly <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what Nell. Nell should have ran with the spirit of Vivica and said, No, ma'am, I can't allow you into my home. I can come visit you. I can come see what you up to and what you doing over there. But, yeah.
0: <laughs> I also didn't like how she blamed her for, you know, taking away her kid's father. Mm. That ain't got yeah. shit to do with Sula. Yeah. That if was, somebody wants mm-hmm. to be a father, yeah. you No. That's not you how you take it away. away.
1: Right. I felt like that was her looking for excuses to why it didn't work when I feel like they were already bored with each other. Not necessarily to begin with, but after the kids, it's kind of, you know, how it happened. So, which is not uncommon from what we know. But um, yeah, I just I feel like she was just looking for somebody to blame at that point, and Sula just happened to be right there.
0: Cause what happened to the man? Did he? Did they go off to Detroit together? Did he go off by his own? I was confused by that. I Would remember a part where they said they after, yeah, Nell's husband after the situation happened. He went off to Detroit. and for No, some no, these- he left
1: her. He left her. That was because that was her big theme because I felt like what she was not upset about the act. She was upset because he left and left her by herself. So I feel like that was the part that really hurt the most because. But then it also made me what it sounded like, too, was like um that was not the first time and not the last time with him and Sula because it kind of sounded like, you know, you pulled him away from me. So this is a gradual thing. It didn't just y'all one time. And then you let he up and left, you know, it happened over time. And then.
0: Yeah. Me, Cause at one point I thought he was dating Sula. That's why I thought they had both went off to Detroit.
1: Oh no, she stayed, she stayed back. She stayed back.
0: I really think, and this is what I tell people. This is why I think ass whoopings build character. Because at the end of the book, Sula said, oh, I didn't think it would bother you. Had Nell whooped her ass, she would have known. That wouldn't have been any speculation. That (laughs) goes back to
1: that sharing thing. And that goes back to that thing of them being one. Like how, like, honestly, I felt like the way it was written was they were one person. Two sides of one person. Sula was the evil And Nell was the good, naive, innocent, didn't know any better. And Sula was the one that basically had taken on like this hard, hard reality, harsh look at life to see what it really was. And Nell was living in this, you know, dream fantasy world. So when they came together, Mm -hmm. they balanced each other out. So everybody, you know, basically when they were younger, they were one and the same, you know. And so as adults, you know, she drifted away. And I feel like. That's what Nell, if nothing else, that's what Nell was mad about. Mm. You know, her friend losing her friend. I don't think it was ever about this husband. It was I can't have my friend back the way that I that I had her before. That other piece of me, that piece of me that was able to speak up, you know, for myself or allow me to, you know, do these things that I would normally not do. That was Mm -hmm. gone. So I I don't know. I'm I don't know. I felt like she never really cared about him. It was more so about Now I don't have that missing piece to that that I was looking for all of this time.
0: And that is what I realized at the graveyard Mm -hmm. towards the end of the book. It's like she's not really mad at...
1: The man. She didn't care about that man. Right. (laughs) She did what she thought she was supposed to do as a woman with him. Right. That was it. What she really wanted was her friend. The person that made her feel alive. The person that made her feel something more than what the people in the town were. Basically, nobody in the town was doing anything but what right. people expect men and women to do. Have yep. families, raise kids, and die. That
0: was, <laughs> that was not an ounce of excitement in the bottom. No, none at all. Except on that day they had that parade. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> and I was and like, you know, hold on, what? <laughs> you know what I wrote down? So when I was reading this, I thought about the purge. <laughs> and I was like, so he really started the first purge. Because it, <laughs> it wasn't even about suicide. He was calling people to do crime. He was saying, hey, today is the day you can go out and kill somebody. It wasn't It wasn't only, you know, you can kill yourself. It was if you want to go out and kill somebody else, you can kill them. Like, that's what it sounded like to me. So I was like, hey. I thought of the
0: protests because they were tearing up the the... Excuse me, the tunnel because they were not hired to build it. Mm, okay. It remind and it was just like right smack dab into all this unrest, and I'm like, that's oh, going this on, is yeah, so good, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like, Ooh. I'd have told up that shit too. I wouldn't have went in it, but
1: mm. <laughs> look, women, women, know. women at Bruce's place when they tore down that wall. That's right. The- <laughs> and it was like we don't care. They could lock us all up. So yeah, I, I just hate the way that that event ha- ended because those people died.
0: Yeah. But Unless I, I read it wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, a lot of them died. A lot mm-hmm. of them did die. I think they never found the Deweys. Mm-hmm. Um, some people like e- escaped, but they had to watch. There was nothing they could do, but a tunnel? Oh, it's a no for me. Maybe mm-hmm. they didn't know enough about what a tunnel was back then, but right. I've been like, water? Oh, no. Mm-mm. And then
1: with the ice and everything, that's the part like, right at that uproar with all that rage and stuff going on, that's when the ice decided to melt. hmm
0: Because
1: I remember the ice had, you know, blanketed the Falls town it, yeah. for all those, you know, all those days, all those weeks, at time. And then as soon as they decide or Chirac say, hey, it's go time, you know, whatever, um, that's when everything kind of, you know, the dust, everything unsettled. So, yeah, it's very um, telling and aligning what's going on right now, so
0: yeah yeah so before we go ahead and wrap it up you got any more thoughts on the book or how you felt about it overall
1: um i have a lot of notes let me see so we touched on a lot of things that i wrote okay so one thing that we did not talk about the wedding sula being the maid of honor but then she leaves at the time of the wedding reception like to me like she does this big exit where she's now, it sounded like she changed clothes and made like this big exit where when Nell and her husband, I think his name is Jude, they were dancing, mm-hmm. but Nell was so captivated by Sula's exit that that's where she kind of was distracted and drifted off to. Remember she saw in the doorway, she saw her leaving and she knew that she would be gone. And then they see, you know, she's gone for 10, 10 years.
0: That makes me think more <laughs> of why did she choose that night to leave? Was it that she could not handle Losing her now getting married? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then when she came back, she broke it up. Wow. So Suma, she wanted her I friend. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't do that shit. But I am starting to understand
1: you. <laughs> I wouldn't. I feel like did you really? I mean, did you really lose your friend? Because you, you could have had her not in the same capacity. But I felt like that's kind of like that was her only thing that was kind of like her favorite doll. Nell was like her favorite doll and somebody was taking that away from her. And I, you know, I when I was reading this and they were laying in that grass, I was thinking something completely different other than them being
0: friends when Oh, it gave you color purple vibes.
1: Yes. I was <laughs> like, okay, are we going somewhere else with this? And yeah, it I thought that cut. was going to come too, right? Yeah, it was like really weird. I was like, okay, so... Because now we're getting into them becoming, developing and stuff like that. And then it was like, oh, okay, well, maybe this is going somewhere else. But then it didn't. So I was like, okay. But um, that part of the book kind of stood out to me too because it was very telling of their bond and like their connection. Not in the way that people outside of them were describing it, but I guess maybe what it felt like to them. Felt like home. Mm-hmm. Felt felt very, um, you know, synchronized. Where they were like one of the same. Um, I'm trying to see if there's anything else. Oh, Ajax. There's a part we didn't that talk I... about. Yes, Ajax.
0: Ajax, That's what I was about to say. <laughs> because homeboy was in there laying it Look. down. <laughs> and I think that about was probably my favorite part.
1: <laughs> Travante <laughs> Rhodes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> In that clip from Westworld where he's smiling. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Ajax. And his Mm. name was A period Jax. And she didn't even know that. That's when she realized she didn't really love him. She, look, girl, you don't really love him. You don't know his middle name.
0: He ain't the one. You don't really love him. Yeah, I know Ajax in my life. I don't know his middle name. Shout out to him. Okay. Well, I need to text him. I want to come visit Uh, (laughs) But There's always that one person No matter if you're out here You don't care about nobody There's that male or female I don't care who you are There's somebody that's going to stop you dead in your tracks And make you turn in your pimp card. And they may not even want you They're going to do you the same way everybody else The same way you did everybody else But there's there's somebody who will get you And that was Ajax Mm.
1: Ajax There's somebody for everybody
0: Right And I
1: feel, I feel that now. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, that whole, but, you know, to me, that was the most modern part of the book. If nothing else, I felt like those scenes with them together, they sounded like they came from something written today. Mm Mm-hmm. To me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like the bathtub, him cleaning, her being there, you know, taking care of him and stuff, like their relationship. And it was so weird because I felt like he was there and he was going to stay there until I don't know what changed for her. But he was like, oh, no, I got to go.
0: <laughs> right, He was like, this was fun. I have fun. This is real cute. But it's a no. <laughs> Well, I thought, I thought that everybody. was going to be a love story. Right? I do too. I was like, okay, she's
1: going to uh, settle down because she'd met her match, you know, somebody who was untamable, you know, by everybody else. But I think he got scared. And I think because you know, he talks about his mom so strongly and so passionately or thought of his mom. Um, you know, this conjure woman you know, that possessed all these powers and she was just pretty much just a leader, or not necessarily a leader, but she was in this high um, position within the community. I felt like Sula didn't add up to his mama, so he couldn't stay.
0: Sound like a man,
1: yeah. <sighs> and their mama don't be shares, yeah, mama. You know yeah. that that makes me think about that tweet or whatever when. It's like, you know, men always talk about women who are single parents, but they got the same last name as they mama.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fix your home before you come over here. Exactly.
1: Look, I'm going to hold your mama home. Hello. Right. And,
0: and I enjoyed
1: dad. it.
0: And dreaming <laughs> <granny> too. <laughs> <laughs> right. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to read more of Tony's Tony stuff. I'm gonna have to spread it out though, cause Tony, will have you in the corner trying to figure out what's hey, going on with your life?
1: Yeah, so <laughs> I, I said that as you know, everything that's going on right now. I said that I'm going to. I don't know where I'm going to store it. I was talking to one of the people I know online and we were talking about I think she might have already purchased and said she didn't have room. But I plan to purchase all of the books. Where I'm gonna put them I don't know. But you know what? I have to check and see. I don't know if you have ever seen this. Some of the book groups that I'm in on Facebook, they have this thing where the outer covers are like um special, like customized and they're like the face of the author. Mm-mm. So like the outer like the the sleeves themselves that the books come in, um they don't necessarily have the title on the outside, but it's the image of the author. so if you buy the whole collection, the whole set, oh yes, you get the picture, yeah. yeah, so i but I think they're in the hundreds, so um that would be something I would like to do, um maybe later, but right now, I said I'm going to purchase the other ones because people keep saying. I think Beloved is one that people are saying is their favorite. And there is another one. Jazz, I heard, is some of people's uh, favorites as well, as well as Solomon. So I plan to buy the other ones. Now, when I'm going to find the time to actually read them, we're going to figure that out. But... (laughs)
0: Right cuz you like you said you couldn't listen to the audiobook. You got to sit mm-hmm. with Tony stuff. Yes. And that's a that's a good segue into the documentary cuz that's something mm-hmm. that Oprah said. She was like, "You know, when I read something, I have to go back. <laughs> and when I'm reading Tony's work, and Tony was like, "Girl, that's reading." <laughs> <laughs> and she's like it's just it's just so so profound. So mm-hmm. the documentary is called The Pieces I Am on Hulu. And I don't know if it's somewhere else, but on Hulu you can mm-hmm. you can just stream it. But it is well done. Well yes. done. Um I cried like a baby the first time I watched it. Mm. Cause it was just so profound. Um let's talk about some of the um let's start with the fav- your favorite parts about it.
1: Okay, so for me, I only made it through halfway through the the documentary, okay? Because it I'm is honest. long. Yeah, <laughs> it was about, what, two and a half hours? It's two hours. It's over two, yeah. Yeah, so I made it through the first hour up until... Whoo, I'm trying to think. When she was pushing for these bookstores and stuff to carry both the Black authors as well as the white publications... Um, oh, the and publicated stuff, yes. So I, that's the last thing I remember. But what I did love is, first of all, she's very descriptive in regards to like her upbringing. I love that part of the book where she talks about, you know, her and her sister growing up. And honestly, I feel like maybe Sula was about her because you know, as she talks about her sister, her sister stay home, her sister. I got married, started a family, and what did Tony do? Tony ran off. She went to college, she partied, she had fun. And I feel like that was about her. You know, only thing the difference was, you know, Tony ended up having kids, um, you know, having to leave the kids with her mom and kind of, you know, developing her career as we know it today. But that's what I think about when, as I was reading that book, I was like, wait, this kind of sounds, you know, like her. So maybe she went through some of those things that Sula went through and she decided to kind of tell it from that standpoint. So I did love that. (laughs) And another part that I loved was um, when she was talking about that she made the best pies. Mm -hmm. And she was saying the young boy on campus was like, Tony, I don't care what you do, you know, during your nightlife, (laughs) but, (laughs) you know, you're going to make my pies, you know, for me or whatever. Or whatever the phrase was that he used, basically saying he didn't care, you know, how loose she was, because she basically said she admitted to being like out there, being very free, um, you know, whatever during her time at school. And I love that because I it's a photo that was circulating on Twitter, a black and white photo of her in a nightclub. And she has on this spaghetti just scrap uh strap, excuse me. Uh, dress and it's like silver she's like dancing she doesn't have on a bra whatever she's just basically out there free and living like you can literally feel that energy from the photo and that's immediately what I thought about when she talked about her experience at school and then I also liked um, her power like her drive like she literally was editing she was writing She was publishing. She was doing all of this stuff. And I'm like, girl, where did you find the time? Because I'm literally like, I don't have time to do anything else but study. And and
0: raising them them kids by herself.
1: Yes. Yes. So that really made me feel like you need to do better. Time management. And those are my favorite parts so far of what I have watched. And I love how people talked about reading her work. Like when she went to Cuba And they were like, oh, no, we want her to read this in English. You know, we want Mm -hmm. to hear her read these words. And that's how powerful, like, her words, like, that's how much her words mean to people. They didn't want it to be interpreted. So I was like, dang, I would like somebody to talk about my stuff. Like, like to me, it was just very Mm -hmm. inspirational, very motivational. And um, I'm going to watch the rest of it. I haven't finished. So I I feel like I have, like, an hour or so left. So that's something on my to-do list. What were your favorite parts of the documentary?
0: So when you were just talking about, you know, how people were just raving about her, it reminds me of The Last Dance, ten no, eight-part documentary mm. that um, ESPN just did on Michael Jordan's last season with the Bulls, that, that sixth championship. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that and being like, I want to be the Jordan in something. And Toni Morrison was the Jordan (laughs) of the literary world. Yes, ma'am. And she just seemed so humble, but also I know my power. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved her voice. The way she speaks, I'm just like, somebody needs to just cuddle me and just I can just listen to her speak. Mm -hmm. Her stories. My grandmother is like 10 years older than Toni Morrison. And the way I grew up, old people didn't talk about what they did when they were younger. Mm-hmm. They pretend as though, as though they, um, they have lived this soul sanctified life with the Lord for all their lives. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, right. how come my mama don't know who her daddy is? And you know, I get popped <laughs> in the mouth cause <laughs> I got questions. <laughs> um, but I just really loved seeing that because there's nothing new under the sun. When I was doing no. in college, everybody, everybody else was doing, I ain't the Hello. first to do, do what I did. Um and I just I just love that. Um, also a person who is the Jordan in their their career, Oprah. Um, she in the documentary. I don't know if you got to this part, but she was trying to contact Tony, and she's Oprah Winfrey at that point. She is Oprah, and she could not find her number. <laughs> mm. and this might have this was definitely before maybe the internet popped off, but she called the fire department herself not an assistant was (laughs) like I need Toni Morrison's information Mm -hmm. and that just kind of speaks to those people who are that have that drive are going to persevere and is not waiting on anybody another person who I loved who I did not know much about and I'm definitely going to pick up some of her poetry work Sonia Sanchez okay I love her (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love I just feel like when I if I ever meet her she's gonna read me but cause she just gives me that like mm no but I I loved her energy I loved the way she talked about Tony and I would love to see more and read more of her work um and I have another note in here for her hot girl time at Howard that is literally Thank what I put girl. one of the things that that stuck out to me outside of the hot girl stuff is how she joined the drama department and yes she mm-hmm. said that she wanted to change stuff, make it more black, and at a HBCU, she was not able to do that. And that's that. I will not go get into the argument, but there's <laughs> that's a you know always some some type of battle or debate on social media about HB, HBCUs versus mm-hmm. PWIs. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I always tell folks, go for whatever you know, makes sense to you. My daughter actually thought my school was HBCU and my school is white, but the mm-hmm. black population there is. So it's large enough where all my friends was black. You know, right. I could hang around. I could study with all black people if I wanted mm-hmm.
1: to. The culture um, was there.
0: Right. But there's misconceptions that you're going to go to an HBCU and you're not going to have to do with racism or Mm -hmm. white supremacy i also know somebody my ex his sister worked at an hbcu she had a phd well she has a phd she's a college professor and one of the administrators told her that she should wear her hair natural she is at an hbcu Mm -hmm. and it's like excuse me (laughs) so you know it's it's go- there's going to be stuff everywhere, so you have to make a decision where, you know, it, it fits best for you. Exactly. But that's, that's just some of the notes I have. It's a great documentary. She it's drops which- jams mm-hmm. everywhere. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: I was going to say, which is true. And then the same thing, like what we talked about before when we were discussing Rabbit, sometimes us don't be for us, okay? So sometimes mm. you find <laughs> help where you least, you know, expect to find it. So I went to a PWI as well, Badawsa State University. And um, you know, yes, it was a predominantly white school, but the black population in that thing was heavy, okay? <laughs> and um, you know, the town surrounding, the towns surrounding, so that's South Georgia, um, very black. I mean, there's a lot of white people, but very black. So um, I didn't miss out on any of these experiences that um, people feel like they had at um, HBCUs, honestly. Can't say that I missed it. Can't say that I regret it because I love, you know, my alma mater. I love the fact that I went to the school. You know, I made lifelong friends. I, I don't feel like I missed out on anything, you know. Mm-mm, I had a I great Christian college experience. Different.
0: I wouldn't <laughs> change it for the world. And had I went to the HBCUs that I did have on my list, I would owe a whole lot more in student loan debt. Oh, yeah. So, like I said, oh. everybody, you have to weigh it. You have to make the best decision for you. You know. And then I grew up in an all-Black high school, so I had been around the Negroes a little bit too long. Um, no shade, but I needed to be in a diverse environment some way, somehow.
1: Right, exactly. And I, mm, yeah.
0: <laughs> but we we can talk about this all day.
1: <laughs> this could be a real discussion because I see it. It comes up so much and it's like, mm-hmm. let's let this die. Like, I feel like at the PWIs, like, the Black community is still strong. It's still thriving. We're not operating under, like, this... I don't know what, like the slave master thing or whatever. Yeah, you're going to deal with some stuff. But like you said, it's everywhere. And Mm -hmm. I feel like we kind of came together and nobody was really left behind. Like, I don't feel like anybody was kind of, you know, led astray. People were able to choose where they wanted to, what communities they wanted to exist in. It was never you know, whatever, um, anything crazy that was happening. Not that I can remember from the times when I was there. Um, you know, now I've seen a few things come out, um, especially with everything that's going on now for my school that I may not be so proud of. But other than that, I'm very proud of, you know, about Austin State. Can't say anything, um, you know, bad within this moment. And I don't, you know, think that I missed out on anything. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel about that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Michigan State University has definitely embarrassed me, but we're not gonna talk about gymnastics. All right, <laughs> let's let's talk about something new that you learned from about Tony from the documentary. Was there anything that you didn't know about her I from didn't what know. you saw?
1: I don't know how much of a badass she was until I watched this. I mean, her name has come up in groups. Like I said, um, we talked about earlier before the show. I read um, "God Help the Child," and that was the first book I've ever touched of hers. Yes, I knew, you know, she wrote a book, you know, "Beloved," and we talked about this too. I wasn't able to watch the movie because of the graphic things that were in it um, that were way ahead of my time. And this is when I was younger, and I have never tried to rewatch it again as an adult. So I wasn't really familiar with her work. I was in regards to um, her stance on the Black community and the way that she wanted to represent Black people, because I have seen interviews in regards to um, people focusing on the fact that her books are very Black and the fact that she said, mm-hmm. "I'm Black and that's what I'm going to choose to write about because that's what I know," and I'm not here to make white people, you know, comfortable. And that is when I was like, "Oh shit."
0: Hey, girl. Right. I like really, <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I didn't really, you know, dive into her work, but I'm very familiar with a lot of her interviews. So, me watching that documentary was like, damn. You know, I got to know a lot more about her, that person behind what I already knew, you know, as far as like her just being very fearless and very, I'm going to talk about black people because I, I want to talk about black people and that's what I know. And that's what I love because I feel like as a writer, People try to make you feel like you need to, oh, expand and you need to write about all these other different things. When no, you write what you know. You write no you write what you're comfortable with. And that's where you are, like that's where you're gold. And I feel like that's a lot of the things that people deal with, like as creatives, entrepreneurs, where people try to make them, you know, diversify, you know, their goals or their market that they're trying to hit when no. Go mainstream. Yeah, like no, let's yeah. say, let's mm-hmm. keep it where we at. Let's keep it, you know, within us. It's ours, you know. It's our gifts. It's our tools. Let's put it in our communities first. And you know, if we feel like we want to be generous and we want to, you know, do some charitable work, maybe we'll put it in other places. And that's what I loved about her. Like she kept it there. She kept it with us, and it wasn't, and it did, really didn't tarnish her, her legacy or anything like that. And it didn't leave her with any type of you know, bad shadows or anything like that. So I that's what I love. That's what I learned about her. Like I got to know more of why I actually love the person that she is, the person that I was seeing, you know, in these interviews. Like when she was talking about her childhood and talking about the type of family that she came from, like those are the things that I was like, well, damn, you know, I really love, you know, that about her. And that she came from literally nothing and made something for herself that her family and that people around her, they really didn't know. They really didn't understand it. But she made it happen. She made it work. She made it happen, you know. And that's what I loved um, about her. And that's what I learned as far as, I'm going to say the first half of the documentary because <laughs> I still have an hour to go in <laughs> an hour. I'm sure that I'm going to learn, you know, much more about her. That's going to make me fall more in love with her as a person um, and in love with her work. So still have a little bit to go, but that's what I love so far about it. What did you love about the documentary?
0: I think even if I had, read all her work I would not have appreciated her more I I, I still would have appreciated her more after watching the documentary like mm-hmm. I feel like the documentary now needs to be a part of you know have you read Tony have you seen the documentary <laughs> right have you it watched yes. so well and it was done shortly before her death mm-hmm. I feel like that was it was perfect um right what I what I didn't know was that her real name was Chloe. Oh, I didn't look that far <laughs> yet. Really? No, I think yeah, she it's like quickly. So I've seen the documentary probably mm-hmm. I, I'm a, probably on my third time. So I watch it on a plane and try to get my daughter to watch it. She fell asleep halfway through. Mm. Um, <laughs> and then I watched it again um yesterday. But because okay. I like saw it, then you know 'cause it's not a huge part, but she talks mm-hmm. about Um, her name and her first name is Chloe Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: Morrison is her um, married her last name for marriage which this is why I don't believe in changing your last name (laughs) because now her that whole family got to ride on Toni Morrison and they was divorced they were not even married that long like you won't no my legacy is not riding on your last name but another thing is Oh, I didn't know that she was behind pushing, like, Angela Davis to write her and, autobiography. And, mm-hmm. Angela Davis was like, I was 28 years old. And I'm like, she <laughs> was 28 when she was... Because I be seeing Angela Davis, I'm like, she look kind of young. She, she is, and, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's so crazy because we talk about these things that are happening within the community, but then you look at her, you look at Ruby Bridges. It's not that long ago.
0: <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> and someone else brought up the point the other day that... Many of our civil rights leaders did not live to forty. Mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh, I need to do more yeah. in the community.
1: lot people walking um, around talking about we're not our ancestors are so disrespectful. I can't even begin on that like right. Whoo, I can't even get started on that because you're right. You're not because guess what you got got internet you got all these comforts of the world all these things and they didn't have that and they were still busting their ass to fight for our rights like that is so disrespectful um or maybe
0: they should just say i ain't like my grandma don't bring my grandma into (laughs) (laughs) it and don't be talking about my grandma either because (laughs) you right just keep (laughs) saying you ain't your great-granddaddy that's you Look, not mm, us.
1: Mm-mm. What else did you love about the documentary before we get on? Anything else? <laughs>
0: uh, I just I just loved it just overall. it was it was so so well done and I appreciated all the different perspectives and I saw a lot of people that I know are huge in the literary world just going up for her yes. um, One of my favorite parts um, when she talks about invisible man, Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's by Richard Wright and I think the whole book I've never read it but it's about being invisible to white people so oh (laughs) yeah Tony was like invisible to whom like (laughs) who cares about them I remember that (laughs) I don't write books like that Mm -hmm. right so that that is always funny to me because she like she like you said she was just such a badass Mm-hmm. She was like, "I'm
1: right. I know who I'm writing for. I know who my audience is, because um, that conversation about the Invisible Man goes back to what they were talking about as far as like Black people creating art and creating entertainment, but they were creating it not necessarily for they created it for Black people to enjoy, but for white people to understand. Mm-hmm. Like BET." Woo. <laughs> 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 Yeah, <laughs> oh. so and she refused to do that. She refused to like you know soften her tone. She she made it for us to understand like ebonics. It's for us, like Fubu for us by us, okay. By us. And that's what right. she in, put into her craft, put into her art. So yeah, I definitely I'm a Toni Morrison stan account, and that um last night I can't remember dude's name. But um there was a quote on that movie that 14 minute thing on Amazon. Oh, it was in the beginning. Yes, yes it was a Tony I Morrison. It. Quote. I forgot it. captivating and it said love is or it ain't. Then love ain't love at all and that was a quote by Toni Morrison.
0: Morrison. Yeah. That's a that's a really really good movie. What's it called? Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on, um, let me see. It's 14 minutes on Prime Video. It has Project it
1: they come, they go.
0: Yeah, it's 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 beautifully shot. Um, black people are beautiful.
1: Yes, and it was so artistic and <laughs> it's it's so it's like it was nostalgic because it was like black and white and it's very artistic. But it's very modern day, like how people don't appreciate what they have. I mean, there's very a lot of interpretations that you could have took from that, but Yes, that was really good. They Come, They Go, starring um, Khadija, Shari, and Broderick Hunter, a short film and photo series by Cameron J. Ross on Sun Prime. Yeah. And our girl, Tony was in the beginning, speaking the truth.
0: Yes. So as we're talking about media, let's go on ahead and move on over to the music segment. Yes. I was trying to figure out what era I was going (laughs) to be in for Miss Sula because I could have put City Girls in there. But I'm like, no, I want to, you know, go back a little bit. And it was like right on time because we just lost um, Betty Wright.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, so you went back, back? Okay, I didn't go there. Yeah,
0: but So the whole time, I I just felt like Sula was a clean up woman. So that that was oh, the one I chose.
1: Okay. A clean up
0: woman is a woman who. No, <laughs> so, you don't want the clean up woman at your house. No, don't you be don't, like now. I'm happy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that that was my song. That, that was like the first thing I'm like, oh, that got Clean Up Woman all over it. So what was your one song off your playlist?
1: Mm, I, you know, I struggled because I kept, some songs kept coming to me like lyrics, but I could not think of the actual songs because I was trying to go that far back and I didn't. I think the furthest back that I went was Diana Ross. And still, um, I was like, uh, that wasn't really my top song of my playlist. Friend of Mine by Kelly Price it was my <gasps> top.
0: Yes! <laughs> oh my God, that's perfect. <laughs> that was the
1: song. That was the first song I put on the playlist because I was like, girl, no, like, how did you do this? And I, See, I was <laughs> the one, because <laughs> she was. <laughs>
0: I'm about to play that So soon as we get off. That was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> call him.
1: Call. Uh. Oh no, call him. I'm calling. I'm calling. I'm calling. Oh. and we won't talk about the other man that's on. But yeah. yeah,
0: we don't. We won't.
1: Yeah, that that's was so the uh, that was the time in music, and um, that was one of the songs for me. It just started coming like a breakup playlist, uh, basically. And it wasn't even mourning the relationship; it was mourning the friendship. But you know, mm. all the songs that you say about relationships. But that's kind of where my playlist kind of went to. So.
0: Oh. I can't wait. That that's good. That is like yes. the perfect song.
1: <laughs> but I, I'm still working on it. I only have um eight songs, so I'm gonna add as I you know shuffle around. But it's pretty. Oh, much I got six. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much a a breakup. So if you go and do some things, don't really listen to it.
0: Uh, you know, listen. Play you- my playlist when you cleaning up. <laughs> it gives you very much
1: Saturday morning. It's when you drinking wine, when you're thinking about, <laughs> am I going to text or am I not going to text? And then it's probably going to make you want to text, but not the kind of text that you need to probably be sending it. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm -mm -mm. Well, that is it for the music segment. Let's get into the next book and we'll finish it up with the bulletin board.
1: Yes. So the next book is Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. And that is by Jane Allen. And what I'm going to read in regards to... So I just, I started reading it. I'm a few pages in um, and I'm loving it so far. It's a page turner. So um, what I'm going to read is basically an excerpt that she stated in regards to what she was thinking about when she wrote the book, and then I'll get more into the background of the story once we get to the episode when we start talking about the book. So she um, wrote, I wrote Black Girls Must Die Exhausted because as a Black woman, I wanted to see... A recognizable version of myself reflected in accessible and relatable contemporary fiction. My goal was a story that could make us feel, make us laugh, make us think, and make us proud. And again, that is Jane Allen, J-A-Y-N-E, Allen, Black Girls Must Die Exhausted. And I cannot wait till we start reading this one because it already started with some stuff.
0: (laughs) I read it... A few months ago, I read the okay. beginning of it because I was reading for a book club and then we were supposed mm-hmm. to meet up. Then quarantine happened, so I stopped reading. It. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I do remember enjoying it. Um, and I'm excited because it is something that we can relate to because we're in that age. we yes. at that age that
1: yes, yes, like, yes, the main yes.
0: character is in.
1: Yes. And shout out to Monique in the Facebook group because she actually... Posted it. It had been, I think you posted it one time on your Instagram when you got the book. And then she actually was talking about it because she just finished reading it. And at the same time that she sent that, you also sent something from Jane Allen in regards Mm -hmm. to if book clubs were actively reading it, you know, she was interested in talking to, you know, the groups. And I was like, oh, this is right on time because, you know, Monique had just shared it. You had just shared, you know, something from the actual author on Instagram. So I was like, it's perfect. And literally from the minute I opened the book's first page, I was like, oh, this is going to be good. Because we talked about a little bit in a group just about, you know, us in this age, you know, of our 30s and what other people are expecting of us and what we actually want to be doing with our lives, with our uteruses and, you know, everything else. So yeah I definitely feel like this is the perfect time to dive in to something like this
0: and i think it's still the kindle version is still 3.99 on amazon if you like to read ebooks i think okay. it's still on sale
1: I supported the Black. Um, I actually shopped at Mahogany Books in D.C. area. D.C.? Shut Because, yes. um, you know, I was living in Virginia for a little bit of time, and I never got the opportunity to actually make it to the bookstore. So when something was posted in regards to supporting Black businesses, they were the, one of the businesses that were looking mm-hmm. for support. So I actually shopped and bought that. In addition to their mystery box, which I think was like $45 and they sent four or five books, you know, just random books or whatever. Um, So I got a few different new reads and Black Girls Must Die Exhausted was one of them from them. You reminded me,
0: I did want that mystery box.
1: Yes, I got a lot of, it seems like there were a lot of books in regards to activism and like... um, Autobiographies, like not actually nonfiction, which I'm or fiction, excuse me, which I'm used to reading. All of them were nonfiction, so I'm gonna dive into them a few good. Um, and I also bought thick, so it's a few different books that I bought Ooh, that I'm excited thick about. Is good. So thick, yeah, thick
0: is like I went through thick, and I ain't thick. <laughs> <laughs> I, cause homegirl can write. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss I'm excited. It. Okay, Ooh, I love I love thick. All right, I'm um, excited. All right, you got anything on the bulletin
1: board? Yes, actually. So, you know, I did all of that um, frantic running, trying to set up a website and stuff like that. And I forgot I'm on Medium. So what I'm in the process of doing right now um, with Medium, because I had never published anything, I was just using it to support other people. But I did have a page. I do have a few followers. Um, I'm, I am updated my name. I was Khadija James at first, because I love <laughs> But I'm now on there as um, Ingrid Mercey. And I started pulling some of my old work. I only have two things on there. Um, something as recent and something I wrote from 2018 or 19, I think, that I pulled um, and put on there that was handwritten. I just went ahead and put it on that platform. So that is where I'm going to be as far as my writing is concerned. I'm going to try and be a little bit more consistent with it maybe publishing something every other week can't say that it's going to be new might be some old things from my previous website in regards to poetry and stuff that um i miss seeing that i want to see back online so over at medium ingrid merce and i'll get the link put in the newsletter anything that you have
0: we will make sure we boost that across our social media too okay Put you on. Um, I'm giving away books. I took like a two-month break off giving away books because I was scared to go to the post office. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm giving away nine books in the June giveaway. It ends July 1st, or the winner is chosen on July 1st. And one of those books does include Sula. Once I read something, it goes out the door because I live in D.C. The The space is small. We don't have a lot of square feet. So when I read, it got to go back out. <laughs> Um, and you can go to my Instagram at to T E Mickey on Instagram, just click the link in bio and you can join my mailing list and then you'll be sent the link. And you can also see my posts where I showcase the nine books that are, Mm -hmm. um, on the giveaway list. Also, as always go follow support, black authors. We're on Instagram at support, black authors. We're on Twitter, Black underscore authors, and then on Facebook, support Black authors. If you want the deals on the Kindle Kindle books, like I said, um, if you like eBooks, I'll always find them when they're one or two dollars, um, and they go straight to your Kindle. And what we also do is we promote um, the new releases from Black authors, and you can buy them from anywhere. And then when we post them on Twitter, you can actually get the indie bookstore link, so you can support stores like Mahogany Books and things like that. Um, Because a lot of black authors are putting out a lot of stuff and people just think we write about slavery and police brutality all the time. But there's a lot of different subjects that we touch on. And that was one of the reasons why I created that. And that's why I have so many books and I don't need to buy no more. (laughs) I literally have over 200 Kindle books. (laughs) I probably got 50 physical. So like I said, when I read the physical ones, I'm sending them back out. Um, And we also just launched the book bloggers planner. It's $10 and it's a planner where you, if you are a book blogger, it helps you map out all your, your reading goals. So if you have a book club read that you need to finish by the end of the month, you can, you know, jot that down. Or if your publisher sent you a book, you got to read it by a certain date. If you got something from NetGalley, you know. Being able to to track those things because if you are an avid book blogger, you know how your responsibilities build. Um, and it's ten dollars. It's free shipping. Just go ahead, go on um dot and you will find it. I am about and- to buy one
1: now. I think I need it for <laughs> for the books that we're <laughs> reading to try and keep up.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I have it. I'm like, okay, what day do I need to read this by? Um, mm-hmm. And then also when you're posting different places, even if you don't have to, it helps the author so much. So putting mm-hmm. something on Amazon, even if you didn't buy it from there, um, posting it on Goodreads, posting it on um, Instagram, Twitter, so that you can help boost the offer. Granted that your your review is positive. If it ain't, don't tag the author. <laughs> 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 but um, just an an opportunity to, um, track those things. Cause Mm -hmm. I I noticed that it was like building up for myself. So I did this for myself that I'm like, Oh, I want to share this. So it's, it's the first iteration or the first edition next year. I hope to make, I, I will make it bigger and more, more robust, but it's definitely a start to getting your, your goals, jotted down and working on them. Oh, in the back. If you wanted to read the Zora Canon, there's a checklist of all one hundred books, so mm-hmm. you can keep track of those. Sula is actually one of them, okay. Um, so I'll be able to to check that off. But um, the Zora Canon, The One Hundred Greatest Books by Black Women, It's an amazing list. Tony is on there, I think, a few times. Sonia Sanchez that I mentioned earlier is on it zora is on it of course um but just like over a hundred years of some of the best works by black women is on that list and you can keep track of it in the planner as well and that is it yes it is so we will see you guys after the fourth
1: yeah we will not be recording that week (laughs) (laughs) we taking a strike now i'm gonna be clocked in but I ain't going to be doing no work, okay? <laughs> Bear with me now, okay? I'm trying to save my PT up. But I'm all in support of um, uh, not supporting that and supporting us. So um, any final things? Any things about what's going on before we leave? Um,
0: Black lives have and forever will matter. Yes. And I don't have no problem checking anybody about it. hmm And that's it.
1: That is how I feel. I saw this dude, here, a white guy. He had a sign and it was like at the minimum, they matter. And then it was like a whole list of like other stuff in regards to like us, you know, whatever. At the minimum we matter. Um, and that's a sad thing to say, at the minimum.
0: At the minimum. Matter.
1: We matter. So um, I hope y'all be safe. If you're out there on the front lines, please be safe. Please recognize that COVID is still out here. Please take the proper precautions um, to take care of yourselves. If you're at home and talking, please put some action. Like Beyonce said, be about it. Be about that action. Don't be worried about mm-hmm. what other people are doing. You know, like David Banner said. You know, y'all bitches at home, they're talking about people doing the right and the wrong thing. You can't be worried about what somebody else is doing if you're actively doing it as well. So there's petitions, there are things that, you know, if you can donate, uh, things to donate to, ways that you can be helping, ways that you can use yourself and the gifts that you have as a resource to support. So let's keep, you know, the momentum going. Recognize that rest is also important. And um, just being persistent, and trying to stick together. Like, you know, that's one thing about us. We will find ways to not, um, you know, stick together and ways to kind of, like, tear each other down. So in these moments, I've tried to not speak out against people, even though people are doing some crazy stuff online. and MB, Samo. Trying not to speak again, <laughs> you know, trying not to speak against y'all. You know, y'all wearing very thin and Trina wearing very thin, you know, whatever. Um, let's be mindful of the things that we're sharing and stuff like that and recognize that they may affect people, you know, in ways that we don't necessarily understand or affecting us because of what I've noticed is, um, a lot of people are tired. Like, I see a lot of people talk about how tired they are, how overwhelmed they're feeling if they haven't unplugged. You know, they keep saying they're going to take time away from social media yet. Every time I log on, they on, you know. Up to up to on. <laughs> you know, every time I come in the kitchen, you in the kitchen. In the kitchen. <laughs> oh, you know, um, just be mindful, you know, and take care of yourselves. That's, you know, take care of yourself. Please eat right, get enough sleep if you can. Just stick away Because COVID so. is, is mm-hmm. still out there feed your body and somebody was talking about that too they were talking about you know all this anger and all this rage and all this stuff like that like be mindful of the way that it affects your body it really you know reduces your immune system mm-hmm. and now is not the time you know so y'all be careful y'all be safe and we love y'all you know
0: and we'll see you next month
1: yes we will bye bye